Welcome to the 9 to 5 Killers podcast, an explorative and insightful journey inside the minds of some of the most successful entrepreneurs who have killed their day jobs to pursue their passions. Streets raise me, born in 80s baby, Lord save me, cause today I'm going crazy with this bullshit, 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 crazy with this bullshit, bullshit, bullshit. Welcome to Season 3, Episode 2 of the 95 Killers Podcast. I'm your host, Glenn Graham. Today's guest has one of the meanest left hooks I've ever come across. She runs multiple businesses and is starting a course on financial literacy. If you think I'm talking about a boxer, ladies and gentlemen, you're sadly mistaken. My Today's guest is a certified public accountant. Allow me to introduce Miss Jessie Williams. Welcome to the show, Jessie. Good to have you here talking and, and yeah, yeah, I appreciate your, the opportunity to, to do this podcast. You mentioned earlier your family's from Grenada. So tell me a little bit about your family. I have one brother, one sister. It's weird that it just comes off like that because I do have other siblings that my dad had with his second wife. And for some reason, it doesn't flow when I say it. Only my dad has six kids. Oh, your dad has six kids. In terms of your mom and your dad, they have... Three together. Three together. Mm-hmm. And then there's another three. There's another three, yes. So what was that like growing up? Well, growing up, I think I had another brother that is in a sister island. We met him when we, as a kid, went on, where did we go? We went on some trip as brownies, as a Girl Scouts. I was brownies. And my mom said, we're going to go meet your brother. And I was like, okay, we met him. And that was it. Didn't feel anywhere. And then we never really... It was just us. We never, a lot of cousins, and we never spoke to him. And obviously, it's my dad's fault because he never included Okay, so everyone. this was, this. oh, so. This uh, when I was really <clears throat> little. So your mom was, was she the second wife or the first wife? She's the first she wife. She was the first wife, yes. So when your mom said, do you want to meet your, your brother? She didn't tell you the context that your dad had with another. So you just met this guy. How, yeah. how old were you at the time? Well, I left Grenada officially when we got our first green car when I was 11. So this, I must have been maybe six or something like that. That's interesting how parents sometimes, how they mention things. You don't really, they don't give you context. Mm -hmm. Um, Similar in in my family where, you know, they mention something like this is a person and they don't tell you any more details. So if I could ask you, what did that make you think um, at six? Were you just like, this is a brother I'm never going to see? Or did you question later? What happened? I, I honestly can't remember. And I, knowing how the dynamics are, I probably didn't ask any questions because it wasn't something that was ever mentioned, like in a side conversation, nothing like that. And I think um, my dad's dad had a lot of kids. So for him, it was nothing. Like, you know, you have kids in one parish, you have a kid <laughs> out of there. You know, I have aunts and uncles in St. In St in trinidad for mm-hmm. sure st right. vincent so you know my uncle got around so my dad had that example to follow got it and then when he got to my mom my mom was young she had no business getting married at that age what age and wait what age did your mom get married at? she had my brother when she was 17 18 whoa okay yes they didn't get married till they had my sister seven years later between my brother and there was a kid I was a kid in Sister Island. And then my parents got divorced when maybe I was 11 and we moved up here. You know, we got our green card, stayed in Grenada for like three, four years and then moved up here. I went to the 11th grade. What did your mom say 
the divorce, did you stay in contact with your dad? Like, that happened? Yeah, I definitely stayed in contact with my dad because we were like daddy's girls, me and my sister. We would go everywhere. He took us everywhere. Sunday was we hanging out with him. My dad, to me at the time, was the best thing ever. But there's a period of time he wasn't there. And I was very sad about it, I remember, because Sunday didn't feel the same. And I remember crying to my mom and saying, hey, where's daddy? And she had no response to give me. Or she probably did, and I can't remember. But when we moved, we always kept in touch as much as he would allow it, I guess. But when we moved up here, moved to at some point, he's up here now. And, you know, we didn't talk for a while because I was the youngest. And I didn't really know how to break up was. So right. I didn't understand that he literally left my mom, who was a stay-at-home mom. And had to figure it out. And this is going on, I'm 11. And I am not grasping that until maybe after college, after grad school. Wow. All this time, me and him, BFFs. Oh, man. <laughs> and I just stopped talking to him. Boom. What's crazy about that story, right, is your mom, she must be some lady because she never talked um, negatively about this because you didn't know it. Or she just said, you don't talk about that kind of stuff? Um, how did you not know? My mom is a very forgiving person. She holds stuff, but she will forgive in a sense. So it was a point in time where they were friends. I remember they, they used to end up riding a train around the same time. They're, they're pretty cool. If we want to have something at the house, you know, we invite our dad. Not a problem. An issue until maybe his wife makes something an issue and my dad don't respond in the, in the proper way that he should. So, you know, then that cause friction within their friendship. Um, but we have things going on and if we invite our dad, he's coming and my mom is fine with it. There's nothing wrong at all. But it's just for me, when I realized the type of man he was, I think that was a time I'm looking for a husband and I was really upset the way he right. left because it's, it's okay if you, my mom don't work out, I don't really care but you left us too. It's not right. like he left and always looked back and took care of us. There was a point in time where my mom had to figure it out at home. It sucks because she stayed at home. She didn't need to work, so she had to really figure it out. And I think that affected me in a way that financially, I'm gonna be good. I have no one to depend on. The, if I rent a house with my husband, I have to do the pay for it on my own. In the event that he decides to just be like, I'm done. I'm not doing this. <laughs> that, that kind of segues into you're, you're married now, right? So yes. what happens now you're married? You know, a lot of people, when they go through something like that, they carry it with them. Um, does that, is that something that you carry with you that why makes you think that I got to be able to, you know, I have to depend on myself and I can't really depend on my husband. Do you still, is that something that you deal with currently? Yes and no. So I take the good and the bad from seeing my parents because they, they were together. They live at home. And my dad was very much involved in the sense that if he went out fishing or whatever, he'll come home, he'll clean the fish, season it, and took care of that. So he, was, he wasn't he was a person that just sat there and did nothing, and my mom did everything. I liked that dynamic that they had. They had a household, and they did everything together. There were very loving times I would see them together. It was good. We all, we had a good picture of what it should be like. But when it was time to really have him actively in my life, when I'm having trial and errors with men, 
Mm. I didn't have that. I know what a, a man is supposed to look like in taking care of the home. I'm not sure if he had a direct effect in that or if it was watching Bill Cosby, but <laughs> um, that right. had an influence on me as well. So I know from dating a lot of, I didn't date a lot, but my last boyfriend was like training day for me, I would say. <laughs> it, yeah, it, it taught me a lot about myself. It taught me a lot of what I want and what I didn't want. It really that relationship was really the turning point of what the next man was going to be. And I had a list and it was nothing physical. I mean, I did have, he had to be six feet, but then I took, I took it out. <laughs> <You> took it out. <laughs> I took it out because um, it, when you make a list and it doesn't work, you got to go back and tweak it and, and, and see right. why it didn't work. So I had to take the physical parts out and just really hone in on what I want in a man. And he checked all the boxes. He checked. All, I, yeah. I, mean, I love that. I love how you just lined it all up. And, you know, something that I noticed that you do and kind of transitioning to like business. Um, so what I see online of you, right, I, I had mm. this whole idea of the type of woman you were. And I see this big, bad lady. She's like, you know, a CPA, but she's boxing and That's and all of these niche. different things kind of like. But then I meet you and you're like, oh, like super bubbly. And you like the way you describe things. How much of that is you and how much is that just maybe me or people seeing that on social media? How do you take that or what do you think about that? I am the meanest, nicest person you'll ever meet. That's that's it in a <laughs> nutshell. So probably what you see on, I, I don't know, what do you see on Instagram is, I didn't know, first of all, I look so a certain way on Instagram because. <laughs> yeah, you do. Yeah, but, you know, I do like boxing. I, I do like knowing in my head that I'm a badass and I could you know, protect myself. My goal with boxing is to just knock somebody out, just, just knock out. And it's empowering because, you know, when you get into certain situations and people are arguing with you, you just looking for it in, like if they try something right now, I'm just going to hit them right there. <laughs> I'm not with the talking. So that's me. Right. That's how I think in here. But I'm also very, I'm a very happy person. Yes. I'm, I'm happy. I don't complain. I do have a lot of pet peeves, but then I'll, I'll express how I feel and I'm done. So right. I'm, I'm just good energy and just happy. And I like, excuse me, I like people surprisingly, but I don't on the other hand, you know what I mean? Yeah. The minute you show that you're, I hate to say this, the minute you show that you're stupid, I can't go. That's wait. Now you have to go. Wait, so when you say stupid, you mean because I want to make because there's some people that have stupid moments. You mean when you say stupid, you mean stupid moments or stupid, stupid in general? Stupid in ge ignorant. Okay, willfully. That's I like a that group one. of people that I I can't. Can you give me a, an example? Give me a willfully ignorant person. Just a story. You don't have to give any name. I want to classify before I, I, I give any. You insight. know, you're having a conversation with someone. And they have a certain viewpoint and you have a different viewpoint and they cannot, you're expressing to them why this is the way it is. You're laying out the facts, you have experience, you Google your facts, you give it to them and they still don't see the point. No, I don't want you to agree with me. I want you to like, you know, I can see why you say that. They just can't. You see a lot of that earlier last year when, you know, we had this whole race debate, mm -hmm. um, about Trump and me and my husband, we debate this all the time. Well, you know, how could you not be friends with someone who supports Trump? I'm like, I not saying that, but it's just that there's certain things that we can't like be friends and disagree about. 
And mm-hmm. that's if I'm sitting across from you, you have a problem with my skin. How could I be friends with that? And not maybe just not me as Jesse, because they do have some folks that, oh, she's a different type of black person. She has degrees and they do that. Mm-hmm. And, or, or even light skinned people, like they, they, they think that, they, that that blackness that others fear, they don't have it. So with you'll get some of your friends from other races, you're like, oh yeah, but you're different. You clarify that because this is something that comes up all the time for me. Mm-hmm. People will say things to me like I was in a room the other day um, on Clubhouse and somebody said to me, I was in a room full of people and um, I was one of the few black people in the room. And they started saying, well, we don't want to have this conversation without, you know, discussing with Glenn. What do you think as the, as you know, and they kind of asked me, like, what do I think as the African-American in the room? And I said, well, speaking for the black delegation. And then I started laughing and I was like, so here's the thing. A lot of times people, even other black people think that they can speak for other black people or they can speak for me or whatever the case is or they make me the chairman. And I'm like, no, I'm no one's chairman. So I was like, I, I actually enjoyed the conversation before I came in the room because I got to be a fly on the wall for like five seconds. Mm. And I love those conversations when I'm not there or t- technically because mm-hmm. then people can say stuff and then I can, I can join in when I have an insight. Yeah. And yeah, I do have some insight, right? Being a black person. But at the same time, I think that I'm also careful about what I say because when you come in there and say, I know, I'm speaking for you, speaking for, and I don't want to do that. So I want to get to something that you said you, and you said willfully ignorant and you said um, you presented to them and they don't, and they didn't see it. Now, you know, the funny thing, we kind of think similar. I think that a lot, but what I, what I was, what I've been caused to think now is sometimes people don't see our vision. Like I, I put a post the other day that when I, when I spoke about my business and what I wanted to do, there was people that. I don't see it. And then there were some people that day one, they knew, they, they knew my track record. They knew that it, this wasn't the first business I've ever had. This is not the first time we've had a conversation, but they're like, yeah, I don't know. And then I was just realizing that some people, they don't see the vision um, and they don't see it. They might see it years later or they need to see a physical thing or whatever it is. And I, and I started to realize that in those situations, even when it comes down to what you see and what I see, we took a journey to get there. And there's some people just aren't, haven't arrived. Like you, you seem to be somebody that thinks, um, you know, an active thinker, right? And you could put different perspectives and come up with something. So it's not that I, I think some of them are really, really ignorant is that they haven't arrived. And some people like to point it to what you said, don't want to do the work that you've done or just haven't done it. Or just even if they, you could come from the same household mm. and we can both attest. I've come from a big household mm-hmm. and we think totally different. Yeah. So that's kind of what I what I thought when I heard you say it. Yeah, and me and my sister is like that. She would see all the obstacles. If I say, hey, we're going to do this, she sees all the obstacles. I see none. We're just going to do it. The obstacle will come. Sure. I don't want to. I mean, right. we'll deal with it and it'll be good. Yeah, but that's a different. You, I mean, that kind of perspective, right? Um, somebody said, I like this quote, um, negative people or some people have a they have a problem for every solution. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes you want that person throwing stuff out there because it kind of gets you amped up. Cause it's like, I love when somebody tells me it's not gonna work. Like some, someone will tell you, hey, that's stupid. It's not gonna work. Mm-hmm. And then that makes you drive harder. Yeah. Have you ever had a situation like somebody to you, would you care about sharing that story about they said it wouldn't work and then you did it and then you felt accomplished? Well, haven't done it, that's the thing. But, Okay, let me see how should I put this. So I'm a big, <laughs> you probably see on my Instagram that I cook a lot. 
Yes, but I do. it's it's clearly not from scratch because I don't have time to figure out what to cook, where to get the ingredients, go get the ingredients, and all that stuff. So I use this uh, meal kit similar to Blue Apron. Everyone knows Blue Apron is one of the first that came out. I use Sun Basket. Sun Basket has more variety for me, and I could and they're pretty much all the same, but I could cook stuff in twenty minutes or less. Now I said to myself, I have not eaten any Caribbean dishes or prepared one in the past year. And so when I go to Brooklyn to see my sister, I'm ordering stuff and I'm like, it's Christmas. So right. I'm like, why is that? And being an entrepreneur, you always try to meet a need. So I said, why not have my own? And I already know from a business standpoint, I have to look who my target, my market, geographic, all that stuff. Who am I going to target this to? Well, why not talking to people like me who are in Jersey City? There's not a Caribbean, it's not a Caribbean neighborhood. I have to have a car to get it. And who doesn't like Caribbean food? Anyone? Nobody like, doesn't like Caribbean food. If you like Indian food, <laughs> you like Caribbean food. You know, and everybody loves Indian food. So I said, I'm going to do it. Ran it by my best friend. No, I'm very careful who I share things with. She's like a sister to me. And if her opinion is different from mine, it definitely will give me some food to thought, food for thought. And this is what it did. She, she, she was like, no. <laughs> she didn't say no. She gave me encouraging no's, I would say, right? But it came back like, came wait, back wait, like wait, no. wait, what's an encouraging no? She's very constructive, I would say. She, she's very enlightening. She's brilliant, like smart, <laughs> right. okay? She's, if she ever hears this, she's going to be She's like, going to hear oh, it. Yeah, she is, she's the smartest person I know. Very practical. Right. Um, and I think she may have said, now, I don't want to miss Cora because it's, I received it yeah, wrong. You received I already it how know you I received did. It. Okay. Yes. So I think she said you have to do um, a, a test run or something like that, which I kind of knew. But it's like I knew I was asking her opinion, but I didn't want to be, you know, someone asks your opinion, they have an objection for everything. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to be like that. I just wanted to listen to what she had to say. Right. And made sure I checked all the boxes. But it, it's, it's, it's happening. That's yeah. for sure. It's happening and um, it's going to it's going to be good. And if it if it doesn't now, we're not going to speak about that. If it doesn't, it's going to happen. You, you have to be realistic as an entrepreneur who have a whole bunch of ideas. Not everything is going to stick. No, but here's the thing. And I love that you said that. Right. Because as an entrepreneur, there are things that we do that don't work. But somebody said to me the other day, I had a I had a, a talk about do we settle for second best? And I love that room because everybody received it different. They were like, what do you mean settle for second best? And I was like, well, do we settle for it? Um, and when I say settle, that means that, I mean, I know what it feels like to, to start out saying, I just want a place. If it's a race and there's a first, second and third, I say, I just want a place. I'm already putting myself in a losing mentality, right? Mm-hmm. And so when people was up in arms like, what do you mean? What's wrong with second and what's wrong with third? And I said, I never said that. I said, but here's a person um, and this woman that was in the room, she totally understood me. She said something that I couldn't say it any better. She said she was in law enforcement and in law enforcement, anybody that doesn't know, they have this thing where if they're gonna shoot somebody, they shoot center mass. You're taught to shoot center mass. But in order to hit center mass, you have to aim slightly above center mass to hit center mass. Because what happens is the wind on the bullet, it goes up, it goes, it goes down, it goes up, and then it ends up coming down again. Mm-hmm. So if you aim for center mass, you don't hit center mass. You have to aim slightly above. So what I'm saying is any, any idea you have, you have to aim it like it's a thing, 
Not no doubts, none of that shit, because everybody else will doubt it already. And you have to, you of all, you the creator of it, mm-hmm. you you plant that seed of doubt by you doubting it in the beginning. Yeah, and it, right? you know, and I think too, I'm, I'm having my system ahead. I need all the obstacles. We need to figure out what they could be and address it now. Because the, the food industry is very fickly, you know? Mm-hmm. Something could be really hot now and then the next day is not. And then food... I don't know, it's, it's, it's crazy. But so I know for this, I have to really identify my target and marketing has to be on point. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not something that I could rush, but it needs to happen. Well, I want you to think about this for a minute. Um, everybody has a, 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 um, their own agenda and how they see things. Mm-hmm. I want you to think, flip your mind for a second. Think about this. When you talk about food, there are some food places that they, I know this place that they serve food and they serve from one to three. And they get slammed from one to three. They could go to seven. They go to one to three and they always sell out their food. That's exactly. They create a demand. Yeah. It has nothing to do with what they're, they're selling. Every yeah. A bunch of people sell the food they do. Mm-hmm. But it's that they create the scarcity demand. Like how iPhone is. Like you laughed at iPhone when they said, when they, they charged for 700 for a phone. And then they went to a thousand. And I was like, I'm never going to spend a thousand for a phone. And I'm the same guy who just the other day, uh, a few days ago, spent like 1200 for a phone. So my point is this, it's about your perspective. They don't buy it because the market's fickle. It's, it's, we, we put the fickleness out there. You're absolutely right. Because I, I, <laughs> I, have, I have a whole bunch of coaches and one of yeah. my sales coaches, and I, I know this and I tell people the same thing right. too. You create your own obstacles. You mm-hmm. really do. And you, you speak it onto your customers. And I remember one time, one of my business coaches, he had this seminar and he, it was going to be 35 hundred dollars i just started my business i don't have thirty five hundred dollars to spend on that that's my income okay. <laughs> that's my salary so i said hey can i do half now and do half later he's like this is exactly how your customers treat you don't they and he was right i allow people to do half now half later no all now up front <laughs> from that moment i was like you know what see no more here's a credit card he's like you do that with others and others will do that to you and it's absolutely true you if you put that thing like oh he probably is not gonna have the four thousand dollars you're gonna say it and speak that out there and you're not gonna get the four grand so you're I, right. I, I love that nobody cares about your overhead when you go to a louis Vuitton store and you want that bag and the bag costs 1200 you don't tell the person hey i got kids they don't care nobody cares but nobody wants to say that i don't care about the excuses you know what i mean just Get it done. Get it done. That's my mark. I need to get a shirt. You know, because I do <laughs> have done. I do have people that would, you know, on my team that's helping me with taxes and stuff. And I remember I had this guy physically, he, he would come in one day and you'll work from home the next two days. And I asked him, what time are you, what time are you going to be here? He said, 10 to 5 or 6, whatever. Not a mm-hmm. problem. I said, no, you told me 10. I didn't tell you 10, just so we clear. Came in late. All the excuses. And I had to say, stop. I don't care why you're late. It's not going to do anything for me. I love you're just that. offloading your issues on me and I'm having a great day. <laughs> so I, let's keep it that way. Keep your problems. Check it out of the door. I really don't care. It's okay. You could be late. It's not a problem. And I just don't like that. Like, don't, if you're late for a call, they say, sorry, I'm late and just get to work. Stop telling me your problems. Like, I could do nothing for you. And you do work for yourself also. I do. So I like to always tell people, I, first of all, I'm an entrepreneur. Second, I'm a CPA. 
uh, which is certified public accountant. Wait, can we back that up for a minute? I, I'm sorry, I, I got ahead of myself. So you're a CPA and you're an entrepreneur, right? We got to highlight that. I want to hear the story of how did you become to be uh, entrepreneur? Well, I grew up, we always had entrepreneurs around us. And I had an uncle that was very influential in my life. He's still around today, obviously. He, I used to come walk home, stop in his office. He was a lawyer at the time. Went on to be, I believe, a judge, then the governor general for Grenada. If you don't know what that is, is the person that the prime minister, which should be the president, appoints to be in, in communication with the queen of England. I might be pronouncing doing it wrong, but it's one of those things that it's just there, and that's just how we do things, right? So he was always in politics and in law, and I always respected him, dropped by his office. And as a six-year-old, I'm having a conversation with a guy a man who's probably old enough to be my grandfather. And that's, I always loved speaking to him. And then I would speak to his wife. Like literally I'm in his office sitting there as a client, having a conversation with my uncle. Seeing, being in the atmosphere, my dad owned his own bookstore. So there's a lot of entrepreneurs, people working for themselves. So that was in my subconscious always. And not liking how bosses treat people. You know, we are a team and you can't do this without me. I can't do this without you. So why we have this fake image of what we are like right. we are a team you know what i mean you are the leader and that's how they should present itself we have a team there always there's different dynamics in the team and you are the leader and that's how i see things and you know they just make a fuss over everything but tell me what happened if something happened i, I did it's like story that there. is that facetime uh-huh. you know um they promote in public accounting for mm-hmm. sure they promote on paper women and diversity but you get to the office and it's a bunch of nonsense you know want to work from home it was always frowned upon and and i have to say there's one thing that covid did it made us realize that we don't need to be face to face to do work i has worked with china for years and they every meeting you think they fly out no it don't so always a facetime with every single job if you're late it's an issue which i never understood because we were always um we have April 15 deadline. We have March 15 deadline. If I said to you, I'll get some to you on Friday. So what if I came in late on Monday? It's, 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 it's right. always an issue. They're always looking for something. And that always annoyed me. And it's always like a, a, a protocol. And, you know, we're a team. Right. So is there, is there anything that like kind of like, so what pushed you? So you worked this, you worked, uh, um, you was a CPA for how many years before you decided to go out on your own? I never thought of being in a, a CPA. It was just, it's, I just kind of rolled into it. And I remember this, the story actually started because I'm writing an article why I became a CPA. And it started from me having to pick a major. So I own, I just moved up here. I'm graduating high school and I got to pick a major. You're telling me I got to pick something I got to do for the rest of my life. And I'm, I probably just turned 17. And it's stressful. I even went to my uncle and he said, pick something that I'll always be around. And I was like, like what? <laughs> of course, he, you know, you know, we're from the island, so he's naming these these jobs like a lawyer, a doctor, an accountant. He's like, what are you good at? I was like, I'm pretty good at math. He's like, maybe accounting. All right, done. Because I have a lot of respect for him. That was it. Thinking accounting is math, which it isn't. You know, as long as you know, and people say, oh, you're probably good with numbers. No, that's a finance guy. I have a calculator and I have a Excel sheet. I don't need to be good in math, you know. So I've always been good with it. And he suggested it. I picked it. Went to undergrad, loved it. I had a tutor because trying to figure out debits and credits and trying to compare to something else is was the first mistake people make. 
So I knew I had to figure it out. So I got a tutor and then I went, I went off Excel. Then you take that first hard course in accounting and that determines that make or break you. I got my first D in life. It was, uh, I forgot what class it is, but it's that, it's that you first start with the basic, which is your debits and credits. Then you get to managerial accounting and then it's, it's some intermediate accounting. Any account, any major would know intermediate accounting. You have intermediate accounting one and two. It was, I knew that it was hard because I remember I got a B because I was always an A student. Uh, you know, I went to um, high school. I was on the dean's list. Then I went down to the honors list because of history because right. I wasn't born here. And um, so I got in, in, in college now, I'm getting my first D and I was pissed. And, you know, I'm having this thing. I'm thinking, my, I'm thinking with my dad. I'm here on Long Island. People's treating me different because side story, you know, being black from right. um, the Caribbean and being black from America is different. Yeah, you know, so be. and some teachers pick up on that. Mm-hmm. And then I have an accent and then, you know, they start treating you like, oh, you're you're like that special black, you know, like it was weird. But so I'm having all this identity issues in my head. And I, I, I think I was feeling black for the first time. Like, mm-hmm. growing up with a bunch of black people, everyone that looks like you, you're not so aware that you're black until you went to Long Island. Now, we right. had a lot of black students who stayed on campus. I didn't feel out of place, but I had my first white roommates. And, you know, just discovering each other so close and personal, it was, I was experiencing life starting. That's for me, and then I realized, like, I'm in school paying 30 grand a year and I'll be lucky if I make 30 grand a year with this undergraduate degree. And that kind of let me feel very down. Like, what am I doing this? I changed my major to management. And after that, I, I think I had a bill with the court. I had two more classes to take and I was going to get my degree. I had a $14,000 bill. I didn't know what to do, but I ended up bartending and working for Honda paid off that bill and I knew I still didn't know what I wanted to do because I changed my major I graduated in uh, uh, management and I know no one's going to have me be a manager that's stupid I already know how the world works so that's already depressing and then I said I'm just going to go to grad school and fill it out I knew I want to do business I don't know what in business I wanted to do and I went to grad school and I was like I'm not going to get a master's in accounting or tax I'm going to do my MBA because that sounds nice and I, I do think big picture in that sense. And it was the best decision I ever made, but I knew I couldn't afford it because I just paid this bill. So I worked for the universities. I could go to school for free. Right. So I worked in registrar's office and, uh, and that was that. And as soon as I finished grad school, I, someone mentioned to me, Hey, are you going to take the CPA exam? You know, I have my MBA in accounting now. And because I worked there, I had a a minor in taxation. So I was just taking classes because it was free. And I realized I love accounting and I love tax. And I realized that I could have my own book of clients on the side. And I started doing that. And I realized the money I could make from it. And it was, it, it blew my mind. I started a little, I started a, my business right then and then. You didn't have the experience of working for a company and then working for yourself. You kind of started. For well, I, I started it when I started doing PwC, like maybe a couple of, so I started at PwC maybe in July. What is that? What's PwC? So PwC is um, 
the one of the big four accounting firms. Mm. So it is so we have four big accounting firms, and it is every accountant's dream. Maybe not today because kids are different. It's everyone's dream to have that on your resume. Doors open up. Okay. Heavens open up when they see that in your resume. So you work this dream place, right? What made you leave it? People are crazy. No, you got to give me more than that. <laughs> listen, somebody, listen, somebody's listening and they're like, they're thinking, why, you, why you did know you turn what it made down? Me, I, I went. I, I spent a year there. So for six months, okay, my class, I was the, probably the only black person in my class. So you come in with classes. And again, now, this is diversity. And you know how they market to you in the recruitment time, it's like a, a dream. You go in there and everybody's going to help you. Everybody's nice. They, they bring the, the, the cutest girl and the cutest guy to come on campus and recruit you. It's kind of like when the football players get recruited and the, the coach comes to the house. That is it. They don't tell you that if you could last three years, they're good, good luck. So you got into the accounting place. And so what was the first thing in that job that made you realize that maybe it wasn't a place for you? Like, tell me something that happened to you. It was too big. I don't, I don't learn big? in big places. That's one. Two, people... People are not looking out for you. They don't. Uh, and, I, and I don't blame it because naturally we gravitate to people that we have similarities with. Whether it's just a skin color or whether it's that you just like the exact same coffee. They want something to connect. And once you connect, you're, you're in. And I didn't have that. I really didn't. Even right. the, we were assigned a coach and that coach wasn't even looking out for me until I switched a coach and I got this beautiful guy and he's woman um and she she basically told me what was the noise that was going on about me because in a nutshell every first hire that starts straight out of college is horrible and for some reason my horribleness was being highlighted more than others right and she that's what she said to me and she didn't know why now what did I suck I definitely did but I felt like I didn't have anyone to say, no, don't go over there, come over here. It was always like maybe after the fact that, you know, okay. they did build up. So I didn't have that guidance and I was navigating a world that was completely different. So give us like three things that you wish you knew now that you didn't know when you started out in accounting in terms of like working for yourself. Any pitfalls, anything that you had any personal situations with clients yeah. That you um, want to talk about? Yeah. I'm trying to keep it three. But the number one thing, <laughs> <laughs> the number one Love thing it. I would say is that you are a salesperson. Wrap your mind around that you are a salesperson and you have to be, you know, if you're not a talkative person, you have to be a salesperson. And that is f most important. And if you don't like it, get to like it. And if you're good at it, you probably still won't like it, but you just, Deal with it, wrap your mind around it, and get over Wait, it. Wait, when you say a salesperson, what do you mean? Like, give me some more meat. Like, give me break it down. You got to be a salesperson. How am I going to get clients in the door? I got to be. I got. I got to have a sales campaign. I got to get them on the phone. I have to be able to coach you through how to pay for my beautiful prices. Got it. You know, and there's tactics you need to have, and you you have to be able to listen because we're so busy trying to sound as a CPA, we miss the mark and. And a lot of CPAs are, are boring. That's that's a traditional um, stigma we have that, you know, uh, it's it's a it's a all male profession. Uh -huh. So anyone that's coming in, there is, they, they automatically think they're uptight. They love numbers. They're introvert. And it's 
I think is a complete opposite. So then we're, we're taught to just put our heads down and do the work, but no, you have to be, you know, clients are not going to fall in your lap and I'm not waiting for referrals. If they come, that's great. But <laughs> <laughs> not something I wish I knew, but one thing that I think a lot of entrepreneurs need to figure out is the, there's three things. There's the, what's the thing that's bringing the money in the door, the talent, the service, or whatever. That's probably what you know and know well. That's great. You have to know how to run a business. And essentially, the part of running a business is the accounting and tax part. You, Everyone would tell you, hey, do an escort because you save taxes. But how do you know that for sure? It's right for uh, you. You know what I mean? You know, there's just a lot of responsibilities that come with an escort. And, and a lot of people don't tell you that. But well, most of the times they're not paying for the, the, the advice too. They just want to have an escort because it's a thing. Mm -hmm. um, so that's one thing I think people need to know. And I realize that I'm doing this for free because I, I like to teach. I, I've realized that I like to experience, read, learn, and teach it back. And I'm, I'm starting, and I think I shared this to you before, I'm starting a business called Coach Through where anything that I've experienced, I could coach anyone through it. And forming a business, being an entrepreneur, transferring from an employee, an employee to 100% being an employee. Cause I had I a transition It's happening, you know, financial coaching, just a simple budget, you know, like you have financial advisors out there, but I do feel that where they want us to get to with a budget and where you are, no, there's a gap there. And if you could just take, and I'll give this for free, if you could just take three months of your checking account and dump it in Excel and you categorize that, you will be surprised at the amount of money you spend in Uber, you know, the barbershop, your hair, your nails. Like, you know, I need you to put that down on a budget. If nails are important to you and you spend $100 a month on your nails, that needs to be in a budget, you know, not on a credit card. It needs to be on a budget. So I think people are not... They will throw that into self-care. But what is making up self-care? Because maybe you could tweak some stuff. I used to have extensions I no longer do because when I put that on paper, that's ridiculous. Why are your hair costing so much? Wait, so something that you, man, I love this. I love the way this conversation is going. I love this. So something that you're saying that um, that kind of resonates with me is that many times we are spending money in areas. And if we knew, because right now everybody has a credit card or it has a debit card, so mm -hmm. you don't see it. So it doesn't feel as heavy as mm -hmm. when you had to take the cash out and do it back in the day. Mm. So you don't really see it. So um, so one of the things that I want to ask you is, how do you take a person who newly made millionaire, I'm going to throw this to you, newly made millionaire or, or very successful business person, how do you, what do you tell them with this new money and this new thing? How do they handle that? I first try to talk to people and see where their mindset is at because again i have to determine if i'm willing to help change that person's mindset because that's a, that's a lot of energy to try to change a person's mindset so you have to kind of bring them to a realization of and i have to i'm gauging it because this is what i'm doing in my in program is the first week is is a mindset part where are you really up here because with anything in life and it's people been saying this a lot it's all about your mindset and that's how you view money too so you know you have a million okay what are your goals in life you know and that's the first thing too even when i doing something like tax planning or cfo services with anyone what is your goal for the business because everything has to align with that so that's the first thing i would do i would say you need a financial advisor 
need a tax person. So when that advisor throws out things for you to do, what that's going to mean for you tax wise. And, you know, let's put this away. You, you have retirement money. So now let's, let's put it away. Let's grow it. Let's defer it, you know, taxes if we can, or shift income to something else. Maybe, you know, there's a lot of things you could do. So more like shifting income, deferring taxes, or shifting stuff to a lower tax rate is, is what we would tend to do or shifting the expenses to another year, just moving things around that will align with this person's goals because I love that. Yeah. Because a, a tax plan or financial planning would not work for you, but it might work for me, you know? So I have to know what you plan to do your age. When do you plan to retire? How much you need to retire? And then sometimes we realize that person don't have a clue and we just got to just hold their hand and figure it out, but it's going to cost more money. I tell you what, I love, you know, it's funny. <laughs> oh, I love this conversation because I'm sitting listening to you and I'm like, when, when you grow up in a, in a household, many of us have, right? What you just said sounds like um, another world, right? I'm a man, but I'm like, that to me is like, it's a scary place because like you said, it's mindset. Retirement kills pe- more people than anything in the world. I think as soon as you stop having a purpose because some people when they when they when you ask them they want to retire and you're like what do you want to do you want to sit and sail that's a great way to die yeah um because there's nothing that you feel like you need to do like i i want to be teaching until the very last breath in my body personally mm-hmm. retire i want to transition that's what i want to do transition yeah and and i feel like i'm getting ready for a transition now because i wait wait sorry what's a transition you you stop doing something you pick up something else okay that's it you know, okay. and, and that's what retirement quotation marks is. You stop working for the man and you stay home and you collect stuff, <laughs> you collect money. <laughs> and then they tell you on a fixed income. And I'm like, but I, I was on a fixed income before. So I don't know what you mean. It was always fixed. I don't know. Okay. So, so you don't want, so I, you know, it's funny when people say fixed income, right? That's the thing that scares me. I don't ever I want to get a fixed income. Yeah. I don't want a fixed income. But when you get in a W-2, isn't it fixed? I had a salary that, that uh, was fixed. Fi- no, but all right, but here's the thing. I say it's only fixed if you decide. If you fix it. it right. <laughs> if you decide that that's enough, because, you know, here's the thing. Somebody asked me the other day how much is enough. Enough is how much you think it is. Like, so if you're like, I had to stop. I had to turn down overtime at my job. And that means I made less money. But I also was more uh, conscious of what I did with my time and how I spent it. Right, and I, and I have friends that I don't speak to anymore because they mess with my time. Really, I'm telling you, and and just don't have any thoughts about it. You know, this like, don't give, like don't care. Right, well, it's yeah. misconception about me. I look cool, calm, and collective, but I am freaking out inside because I got things to do. I got, I have things to do. Like you know, even sitting on the couch on a Friday when I just want to be a zombie, I'm freaking out because I have things to do. So on Saturday, when you go on to go on brunch. And you said get there at three, and I get there at okay. three. I mean three, because guess what? I I did what I needed to do to get here on time. And you didn't know that my computer broke down. I'm freaking out because that's how I make my money. I had to physically take my stuff. Like a, I have to tr- take a computer. All, and this is a true story. All the way down to this thing, it was probably I don't want to say tax season. It was probably September and September wow. 15, October 15. We had. I'm always busy all year round, regardless. So if my computer died today, I mean, you know, granted I have a plan B, but at that time I did. And I had taken an Uber just to get there on time and I, I factored in the traffic, you know what I mean? 
I wanted to put on my makeup. That took time. Mm -hmm. And I did all of that just so I could be, because I am considerate of people's time. Right. And this particular person wasn't. That's a common thing. Mm -hmm. But for me, like I always say life happens. You could be late. It's not a problem. Sometimes I, I just have a drink. But you could be late. I realize that I have to kind of fix the way I respond sometimes. But if I plan to hang out with you from 3 to 5, you could be late. If you come 4.30, then we got an hour. It's nothing to be upset about. But the thing is, is how you treat me when you know how I feel about being late. And it was it's just like, a, oh, I'm late. You know, sorry. That's it. Like, right. The, 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 I get the, it. And that that riles me up. So let me actually think what is it not not for that person in particular, but why do you think that th there are some people that that are not because they don't value time? their own time? Because think mm -hmm. about it. If you if you probably rate that you think you're worth to your time, people will never be late That's or they right. will have a better concept of time. Jesse, for the final question, I want to ask you about time. What do you think makes a successful person? How do you tie that around time? And waking up early. I know you mentioned it before, but I want to hear your thoughts on it. And it, it goes back to that person, the same type of people I would say, oh, I'm not a morning person, but I am not a morning person. Everyone wants to sleep in. You think anyone is like excited to get up at five in the morning? No one is. <laughs> but you're excited if you, you do it because you have things to do. And you know that if you told me we had to do this at eight in the morning, I would be here because I would be excited. You want to hear something funny about, about what you just said? And I think like, this is why I'm thinking that we're related. So people tell me all the time they're not a morning person. And one thing that I throw back to people is like, you know, when I knew that that didn't matter, I worked this job and it, and it was, I was a security guard. And I mean, nobody wanted to hire me back then, but they were paying $10 an hour. And that was a lot of money back in the day. And they said that the, the call time was like 530. You had to be there. I started at six, but you had to be there at five thirty. They want you to be there on time, and I would come like a little bit after. No, no, five thirty. You need to be here. We need to make sure we relieve the guards, and then you can start at six. So my point is, at that point, I said, if you can get up, Glenn, that early for this crazy job, why can't you get up for, for yourself? So I'm always having this kind of thing. Like when we'll do it for someone, like you know, I'm a person that will will wake up every day for like the next 20 years for some job, be on time. And then when it's time to do it for you, you can't get to places on time. So I love that you said that. Yeah. Where does, where does that come from? Like, where do you get this? Where do you get the idea or, or that kind of, have you always been like that? I've always been like always that. Always been that way? I have stuff to do. I have to get, and I find that if you, everyone wants to be successful, but don't want to walk the journey. And if you look at people that you admire, they get up early. And it's not a matter of being a modern person to boast about it. It's just that everybody, the mind is calmer. Your creativity is, is and someone might say, no, I'm more creative at night. There are, yes. But you could get a lot done within mm -hmm. two, your phone isn't ringing. You know, no one is calling you. A lot of successful people get up at four or five in the morning. And if there's a reason why because they could get more stuff done it's not because they are a morning person and they're cheerful just get it done and people say like, well you know it's hard for me to sleep well stop eating late go to bed <laughs> <laughs> there's right. tactics you could do to be a morning person and the number one thing is stop eating late and go to bed mm -hmm. and you said the same thing that many high achievers that i've met have said about waking up yeah <laughs> and, then, and then the thing is too and then they look at you as when you put in the work but they didn't see the work because you're not a complainer you lucky they you lucky and i was like 
we had the same 24 hours in a day. You know, and I look at people that I went to college with, 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 and, you know, we all had the same disadvantage and advantage. I really think we do. And we all had the same major and we all struggle in that silly school that we had. We probably shouldn't have gone to because it's a private school, but our parents didn't know better. And we went and we racked up debt and, you know, I, I even forged my mom's signature to get a parent loan because I needed to go what? to school. I'm telling you, I mean, she kicked it right back to me. I'm paying it now. You paid it? Okay. Yeah, I'm happy to say I only have $7,000 left to pay back on that loan. I like that you paid it, though. That's, that's, that's good. She didn't give you a choice, probably, though. Well, she didn't speak up for a few years. I think I only took it over last year. But I was okay. aggressive. And then when they had, they have no interest on your student loans now. So I was being a little aggressive with it because I have mine to pay as well. So... You know, people just don't want to do the work. And it's all mental. Like, it's nothing special about me. I don't think I'm successful in that sense. But there's little wins that I've had that I would say that is getting me to where I want to be. And everyone's idea of what success is to them. And, and for me, if I could pay for my mom's rent when she was retired so she could take a little Social Security money and do what she wants with it, that is success for me. And I knew that from the time I wrote my college essay to get into Long Island University. I, um, I worked for it, and I, I have a copy of that. Um, I still have a copy of that essay. And, it, you know, they ask a question, why do you want to go to college? And I want to be financially um, independent because of seeing how my dad left, right? So mm -hmm. I never wanted to struggle in that sense. And I wanted to be able to take care of my mom because she took care of us. Yeah. Not, I mean, she had to. She had to, yes. yeah, she I like <laughs> Thank you so much for coming out and, and, and giving us your wisdom. It's been really a, a great conversation. Thank you for that. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I really enjoyed um, us talking. And, and yeah, you know, I appreciate your, the opportunity to, to do this podcast. Once again, for tuning into the 95 Killers podcast. You can now visit us on our website at 95killers.com. We truly appreciate your continued support. Take care of yourself and your families and keep killing those comfort zones. Until next time, peace. Killers podcast is now available for your listening pleasure on Spotify, Apple Podcast and Stitcher.